This podcast is a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Trinity Baptist Church exists to exalt God in worship, to equip disciples, and to evangelize the lost. For more information about our church, just visit our website at trinity3e.org. If you have your copy of God's Word, I'd like to encourage you to please open it to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. It's hard to believe, but next week our series on Abraham will come to an end. Uh, just prior, of course, to Thanksgiving. The passage that I'm going to read this morning, which will be Genesis 22, 1 through 14, is perhaps the pinnacle of Abraham's journey. Frankly, it's probably the best-known event of his life. The unique call of God given to him to sacrifice Isaac. More Words are devoted to this part of Abraham's life than to any other, which highlights the important nature of it. Not only for Abraham, but for us. So this morning I want to ask us to think about a very challenging subject. Testing. Love's test that will come to each and every one of us in a variety of ways throughout our lives. Hear the word of the Lord starting in verse 1 of chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his, on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar, altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, 
seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. As I mentioned a moment ago, test taking is a part of life. Now it's easy just to think back to the days where the tests were formalized. For example, taking your driver's test or a test in school. But even then we began to realize that tests elicit many emotions. I can remember my junior year of college as I sat in the upper, on the second story of Henderson Hall at Carson Newman taking my, my Greek final. I glanced out the window and I saw a most unusual sight as I was taking that final. J.R., who was the RA for my hall, was literally, I kid you not, he was jumping and just this sheer joy emanating from his being across the lawn of Henderson. Later that day, I said, J.R., what was going on? And he said, Mark, I passed my Greek final. I was able to graduate. Sheer joy. But you also know the other times in test-taking, don't you? Once again, my memory goes back to my senior year of high school taking the ACT. I was in there with many friends from my class, one of whom was named Travis, a fellow basketball player. And as we were taking the test, I heard Travis muttering, under his voice. And then I looked up just in time to see him throw his pencil to the ground and put his head on his desk. It was not a good experience for him. Test taking is a part of life. It's certainly part of our walk with God. Genesis 22 is perhaps the best known test in the Bible. It's a very moving picture when you slow down and read it. First of all, there's the shocking nature of the command. Verse 2, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Now, that may cause us to pause for just a moment. Why is God saying that Isaac is Abraham's only son? After all, Ishmael was also a son of Abraham. But the reason God says that is that Isaac is the only one through whom the promise of being a great nation will be fulfilled. Not Ishmael. So in that case, Isaac is the only son through whom this promise will be fulfilled. And then there's Abraham's response. Here I am, which is uttered twice at the beginning and toward the end of the narrative. In a way that's Abraham saying, at your service. When God says, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham replies, at your service, God, what can I do? And then to me. Perhaps the most moving images are found at the end of verse 6 and at the end of verse 8. Because notice the repetition. So they went. Both of them together. Two times. Can you imagine a lonelier walk? Abraham in his hundreds at this point. And it's estimated that Isaac was maybe 11 years old now. Walking together. Abraham knowing what God has called and asked him to do. And Isaac wondering what's going on. Father and son. Walking along. 
Then the question comes from Isaac, verse 7. We've got the fire and the wood, Dad. But where's the lamb? Where's the offering? We've got everything but the one piece that is most essential. Like Isaac, we have questions about this portion of the scripture also. Some very difficult questions. Why do tests have to happen? Why does life have to be so difficult at times? And then, of course, there's the the very clear question, why this test for Abraham around the issue of sacrifice, human sacrifice? Sacrificing your child, that's a harsh command. Let's begin with the first one. Why test? Tests simply reveal what is in our hearts. The tests we encounter in life move us beyond the words that are so easily spoken to how we actually live and reveal what we believe. It's one thing to talk a good game. It's another thing to actually play it. It's one thing to say, Lord, I love you. It's another thing to live that out in the difficult times of life. Understand that in the U.S. Navy, when a submarine is finished in dry dock, it's put to what is called the sea trial. Very simply, they take the submarine out to sea and it's submerged. It's a trial because that testing is to reveal one thing, the integrity, integrity of the hull. I mean, it's one thing to look at the scientific calculations of the steel that is used and to say, yes, this is going to be safe and seaworthy. But it's another thing to actually put it underwater. Tests do this for us. It's like the story that Jesus told. Two men built houses. One built his house upon the rock, the other upon the sand, and the storm came. The storm is the test. The storm is the test that reveals the quality of the foundation. And test can come in many ways and in different forms. For example, in the book of Exodus, when God spoke to Moses, he says, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. Isn't that picturesque? Rain bread. <laughs> it's about to be a shower, not of blessings, but of rye. Manna. More than you can imagine. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. This is in the area of abundance. You're going to have all you need. Will you take what you need for the day? How will you handle prosperity? Or how will you handle poverty? As Paul writes to the church at Corinth, he brags about the churches in Macedonia saying, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Prosperity and poverty are tests. Those aren't the only tests in life. Tests happen in many ways, whether it be a diagnosis that comes unexpectedly, whether it be relational tests that, that we put to in times of difficulty. And tests reveal our hearts. 
The revelation of our hearts is not so that God will know. Now, I know when we look in chapter 22 at verse 12, when the angel stops Abraham from slaying Isaac, the angel says to him, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Now I know. Now we look at other passages of Scripture that show clearly God is omniscient. He knows all things from beginning to end. So what is taking place here? I believe this is an instance of what is called anthropomorphism. Now that 50 cent word simply means God revealing himself in ways, in human form, that we might know him. For example, when the Scripture speaks of God having hands, the hand of God, well, God is a spirit. Does God have hands? Not really. He's a spirit. He does things by simple voice, by simple action. Even the word voice is an anthropomorphism describing how God acts in human terms so that we might understand. So I think here God is saying to you, now what's in your heart has been revealed not just theoretically but in actuality. You see, tests reveal our hearts. Remember in high school, Sunday afternoons, being a part of the basketball team was spent watching film. We'd gather at the school at 2 o'clock and watch the film of the previous games. Because you know the old saying, if you watch sports, the film doesn't lie. You may think you're doing one thing, but then the coach can stand up there and say, nope, this is where you were, you weren't doing it. See, sometimes tests reveal that what we think we're doing is not what we're actually doing. God will test us. Satan and our flesh will tempt us. And there is a difference. In the book of James chapter 1, we are told very clearly that no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. What is the difference between a temptation and a test? It is this. Temptations aim to destroy and entice us to do evil. Entice us to do things contrary to God's will. God will not lead us to do what is contrary to His will. Satan and our flesh will work to destroy us. Tests will be brought about to God, usually in the areas of trust. When the difficult time comes, will you continue to trust God? Because tests aim to reveal and to build. For example, James chapter 1, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Testing not only reveal what's in our heart, they produce a stick in our faith that says, I will not let go. This is hard, but I will trust. In fact, in the book of 1 Peter, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now the trials the church in 1 Peter were going through were the trials of persecution. They were suffering for their faith. But notice verse 7 begins with, So that... The result of this adversity, the result of this testing is that your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of the Lord Jesus. That your testing, your faith when tested, will result in praise to God. 
Now, in saying these things, let me state the obvious. Tests are never easy. Beneficial? Yes. Easy? No. They're often not pleasant. But they are necessary. The Apostle Paul writes of this again in 2 Corinthians. He says, we don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. In other words, Paul says, whatever he encountered, if it was trials at sea or whatever, he says it was enough we wanted to die. See, this is one of those verses when people tell you God will never put more on you than you can bear. That's not true. They often misquote 1 Corinthians 10 where it says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. For every temptation we encounter of the flesh and from Satan, God will empower us to say no. But there will be times of adversity that will be more than we can bear. And I've met believers who carry with them a heavy burden of guilt because they're thinking, I ought to be able to bear up under this. And they're struggling, but won't admit it. Because to do so, in their mind, is to admit weakness. Isn't it interesting that Paul admonishes the very opposite? He says, in this burden we despaired of life. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. But this was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. In other words, if you have the strength to endure the test that you face, who gets the glory? You can look back and say, see how strong I am emotionally, psychologically, I can do it. But Paul is saying this test that he encountered was to make us not rely on ourselves, but rely on God who raises the dead. To get to the point of saying, God, in this test, I can't, but you can. I will trust you. Help me, Lord. And Paul says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. The test will bring us to depend upon God and to trust him. That's the whole point of Abraham's test. Even with the troubling nature of this specific test of the sacrifice of Isaac. Because the Old Testament is clear. God hates human sacrifice. The book of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and even on into First and Second Kings. It becomes clear that God never condones child or human sacrifice. That's why I think we are given a strong hint at the beginning of what is going on. Notice in verse 1, we are told by the narrator, God tested Abraham. We know this is a test, and it's implied this is not going to be one that is carried through. So why the specific area? I think it is not only for Abraham, not only for us, but to point us to Jesus. To understand the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross. Notice the similarities. Isaac carried the wood that he was to be sacrificed upon. Did Jesus not carry his cross? Isaac apparently did not fight when he was bound and laid upon the altar. He allowed himself, trusting his father as to what was take place. Jesus willingly went to the altar of the cross. Father, not my will, but your will be done. 
And in this instance, in Genesis 22, God provides a ram to take Isaac's place. God provided a lamb to take our place. The sacrifice for our sins is Jesus. When we deserve to be up on the altar to die for what we have done, Jesus took our place. That's why John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Abraham's hand was stopped by God. But yet God sacrificed Christ for us. The book of Isaiah Talking about the suffering servant, talking about Jesus, says, Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He goes on, He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It is Jesus who is our lamb. We must remember this in our trials. God has walked where we have walked. We must remember that God is a God who walks with us. In fact, Paul says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is with us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, to me, this is the crucial point of our test. Will we trust God? Will we take God at his word? As I mentioned earlier, that is why in verse 2, God emphasizes your only son. The son of the promise. There's no other way it's going to be fulfilled. And here it lies Abraham's confidence. That's why in verse 5, when he tells the young man to stay with the donkeys, he says, we're going to go over there and worship and we will come to you again. I get the feeling here that Abraham was saying, I don't know how. But God has said the, the promise will be fulfilled through Isaac. I don't know how God will do it, but I trust that he will. That's what the book of Hebrews says. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham's faith was such that he said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust that you will. You will keep your word. And that is the question that we must ask in our, in our test. Do we trust God to keep his word? I will be with you. I will work all things for the good. Trials will test these promises. And in the midst of the test, will we answer like Job did? Though he slay me, yet will I love him. I don't think any of us pass every test. We will struggle. And that's where we come back to what I said earlier is asking God for help. Because our test will reveal what we value. One of the aspects of this test with Abraham and Isaac is this. Does Abraham value the gift 
or the giver? Does he value the blessing or the one who is blessed? Are we willing to let go of the blessings God has given us in order that we might know him? Sometimes the tests are just in that area to let go. I came across this in the past week about learning to trust God and letting go in our test. He says to let go is not to care for, but to care about. To let go is not to fix, but to be supportive. To let go is not to judge, but to allow another to be a human being. To let go is not to be in the middle, arranging all the outcomes, but to allow others to affect their own destinies. To let go is not to deny, but to accept. To let go is not to nag, scold, or argue, but instead to search out my own shortcomings and correct them. To let go is not to regret the past, but to grow and live for the future. To let go is not to cut myself off. It's the realization that I cannot control another. To let go is not to try to change or blame another. It's to make the most of myself. To let go is to fear less and love more. Abraham is letting go of the blessing. Lord, He's yours. He's yours. I will trust you. Will you trust God when he says to let go? Test will reveal our idols. Because it's so easy to take what God has given us and make it our idol. And our test will reveal that. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote these words. Jesus says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the truth or tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent as well as the ones you think are wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself, my own. My own will shall become yours. Tests are not fun, but they're necessary. They call us to trust him. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me now at this time. It's been well said by many preachers that we are either coming into a storm, coming out of a storm, or in the middle of one. That's testing. Sometimes the tests are the small things in life where We're not sure how a particular problem is going to be solved and we're just called to trust God. And then sometimes, sometimes the tests are very large and challenging. 
when you're in a hospital room, and when the diagnosis isn't good. This morning, I am not calling any of us to perfection. As I said, none of us have passed all the tests. They, they are used by God to reveal our hearts. I guess what I'm calling us to do is to say, Lord, grant us grace to trust you. Grant us grace to seek you. Father, you know our hearts, our ups and downs, our joys, our sadnesses. You know the test you have placed us in right now. And Father, we ask for your help. Father, I can't say that I would have done what Abraham did. Father, you know my heart. You know the truth is I would have probably taken my child and said, Lord, this is mine. I know. So Lord, help me to learn. To let go and just to trust you. Help us all to do that. Father, here we stand. Grant us grace. In the name of Jesus, amen.